Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to remind yourself of who you are? Remind yourself of what you have. I tell you what. There are just some things you have to determine in the kingdom of God that you cannot be swayed off of. You cannot be moved away from. Paul said this. He said, I'm not moved by what I see, not moved by what I hear. Come on, we're not moved by how we feel. Don't you know your feelings try to move you sometimes? Your feelings try to dictate things. And uh, it's amazing how much people uh, only move and operate by what they feel. And uh, feelings were never meant to be the leading force in your life. They're a great follower. Feelings are a great servant, but they're a terrible master, aren't they? They are terrible when they're in charge. So take your seat of authority and stand against, stand against what may be trying to come against you. That's what we talked about last week, and I didn't think I would continue it, but I do want to continue it because uh, last week we began talking about overcoming weariness, this idea of weariness, this idea of this tiredness, and uh, I believe that God wants to move us from merely surviving to overcoming, but I believe that they look different. They look different. And um, if the enemy can't fully defeat you, he'll settle for you just surviving, making it through, grinding it out. And this weariness comes upon us. And when tiredness and weariness starts to set in, it compromises a lot of things. It compromises our decision-making, right? You make terrible decisions when you're tired, (laughs) There should be a threshold. You do not make a decision before such and such time. And I might have, I got any morning people? If you're a morning person, go ahead, be bold about it. Let all the, let all the nighttime people, all the ones that wake up and hit the snooze 18 times, look at your hand boldly. I am a morning person. I enjoy the mornings. Amen. You wake up and today is the day the Lord has made, Right? I will rejoice and be glad in it, and I'll make all the non-morning people just sick and tired of me by 6 a.m. I've already gotten cooking by 6 a.m. Sun's not even up, and I'm working it. Got my day planned out, right? And you need to wake up with an attitude against the enemy that he's not throwing anything at you that day. You need to set the pace. Don't let the devil set the pace. And if it means you got to get up earlier to get your engines cooking a little quicker, get you in the mindset of I'm attacking this day, I'm coming after you, don't you dare try to throw anything at me. If you throw something at me, you're going to wish you never did. Well, you got to have that kind of tenacity in you a little bit. And, uh, but, but this is how we have to approach these things because the enemy's design is to wear you out. Right? We saw this in Ephesians chapter 6. Go ahead and turn over there. Ephesians chapter 6. 
He's designed his plan, his mode of operation, if you will, his plan of attack is to wear you down, wear you out, because the weariness starts to set in and my decision-making goes. We, we said that's one thing that gets compromised. Your clarity goes. You ever notice how little perspective you have when you're weary, when you're tired? You can't see things from the proper perspective. I'll give you another, another one. Your perception goes. Your ability to see from a, a spiritual capacity. Weariness is dangerous for us as believers, and, and we should not give in to. It'll try to set in. We've all been there. We've all been in those places when that weariness tries to set in, but how you respond to that weariness and how uh, not just respond, but even proactively put yourself in a place to fight off or ward off weariness in your life is gonna be extremely important. And you know, even more so in these last days, even more so in these last days, is weariness gonna be the, the number one thing that the believer will fail in, will yield to, and when we're weary, we cannot fight back. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. should have it on the screen behind me, and of course, you've got your Bibles in front of you. Uh, in conclusion, he says, be strong in the Lord. So he says, this is, uh, you know, the New King James says, finally, brethren, be strong. This is at the end. After we've done everything else, we've heard everything else, this is what's got to happen. Because if we've heard all the good word, sat in all the good services, taken all the good notes, but we fail to stand, fail to outlast, fail to put this into practice, it's all for nothing, he says. So after it's all said and done, finally, in conclusion, be strong in the who? In the Lord. Now, again, we're not taking away that there are natural ways that we can counteract weariness, and there are natural things. A lot of times we want to kick over into the spirit, but we have been wasting away and squandering away things in the natural. We get horrible sleep. We eat terribly. We surround ourselves with the wrong voices, right? Constantly consuming toxic garbage, um, you know, mentally and in our minds, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, just, it's constantly on. And then we wonder why I don't have any strength. And now we're asking God to fill up something that we've got a big old empty hole at the bottom of. And every time he puts it in, we're letting it right back out. So there are natural things that we can do. There are times where you need to step away from things. There are times where you need just to get away. And God has given us many great places on this planet to get away to. Isn't that right, Mama Myrna? A beach is a good thing, isn't it? Come on, I got any mountain people? How many mountain? You got to get to the mountains. The mountains where I find my, yeah, yeah. So we've all got these places. We've got these things we can naturally do. But we're talking about spiritual measures here because weariness ultimately is a spiritual attack. And we'll find out also in a minute, if we are fighting the battle on the wrong level, we're not going to get the desired result. All right, so I've gotten five words in in this verse. So I got to keep going. All right. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. In the Amplified, it says, be empowered through your union with him. And I'll tell you right now, guys, it's not about quantity of time. 
It's about quality of time with him. Now, I'm, I'm a great component of time. Manage your time. Steward your time well. And give as much time as you can to the Lord. You're never going to come out of time with the Lord and be like, that was a waste. <laughs> what? I just lost an hour of my life. Now, you'll lose an hour of your life thumbing through Facebook and Instagram. We'll give those up all day long. But I can promise you, you won't ever spend an hour in the word or an hour in prayer, or hour praying in the spirit and walk away and be like, I did nothing. You're going to come away charged. You're going to come away refreshed. But even in the days where you can't give that much, focus on the quality, the knowing his presence is with you, knowing that you have spent time with him, that you've recalibrated, you've reset your mind, you have gotten your mind set on the things above, not just on the things below, right? That you've taken even the, the quality moments. It may be 15 minutes in the car from one thing to the next the go, 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 and the, the hustle and the busyness of life. Yes, manage your time well, but even in the moments where we may not have the quantity of time, you can still have the quality of time. Amen? In your union with him, draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. He's telling us in these last days we're gonna need some strength. He says, put on God's whole armor. The armor of a heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies that you may be able to, here it is, successfully stand up against. Everyone say, stand against. Stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Now, the devil may be stupid, but he's not ignorant. In his attack against us, he keeps coming, he keeps coming, he keeps, but he has a plan of attack. He has schemes. We saw this last week. He has strategies. He's not just, you know, recklessly, carelessly, casually coming. He is trying to stop. And let me remind you of this. He's not just trying to stop you. He's trying to stop what you represent. He's trying to stop a kingdom. He's trying to stop full force this kingdom that he's going to one day suffer, in, uh, suffer defeat in, right? We know this. He knows this. He knows his day is drawing near. He's not just trying to take you out. Quit taking it personal. Why is he always picking on me? Because he knows what you're capable of. He knows the potential that's within you. He knows what you represent. He knows that if he can stop you, he can stop a multitude of things. There's more in you than maybe even you know is in you. And he's trying to stop all of it. But so he's got strategies, schemes, the wiles of the devil, the deceits of the devil. Verse 12 says, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, it says. This is the Amplified, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, powers, the master spirits who are the, the world rulers of this present darkness against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. There's a lot of Christians that they get scared when they start hearing words like that. But Paul had no problem mentioning this to the church at Ephesus. He had no problem mentioning 
what we're really up against. See, if you don't know who your enemy is, then how can you effectively fight him? If you don't know what you're up against, how can you effectively, successfully stand against that? If you don't know what's really attacking, if you keep thinking it's your boss, you keep thinking it's your spouse, you keep thinking it's the bank account, you keep thinking it's the mortgage lender, you keep thinking it's the lack of customers, you keep thinking it's the right or the left, come on, you keep thinking it's the school board or the governor or the mayor, you keep thinking it's the president or the economy, you keep thinking it's Russia or Ukraine or uh, China or what. If we keep basing it on natural things alone, then we're fighting the wrong battle. And he has no problem letting you know it's spiritual wickedness in higher places that you can't see. Supernatural forces that are beyond what we can see. But you, but, but you still have the capacity to withstand and overcome even those forces. See, it's all different when you know that you're an overcomer, like we just sang about. And we all know these songs are easier to sing in church surrounded by other believers than they are to live out when we're out there facing the battle, facing the problem, facing the struggle, right? We all know that. We get in here, everybody's singing it, man. The band's going crazy. Robert's letting it rip, you know, drummers breaking everything back there. You know, we're just having a good old time. You, you got your people around you lifting their hands, clapping, dancing, so, so much authority, so much. But then we get in the car isolated on the way home. The enemy stops, starts bombarding. Supernatural forces, spiritual wickedness, and I, you, the same power you had in here is the same power you can have out there. The same power in that song on a screen is the same power in your heart. Don't let it just be words on a screen. Let it become words in your heart. Let it be something that you sing out. Let it be something that you declare in the face of opposition and resistance. Amen. We got to quit taking, uh, leaving church in church. We got to start taking church outside. And I'm not just talking about winning the loss. I'm talking about in your own life. Take this stuff out there. Fill your notebook up and then take those notes and put them back into your heart. Meditate on these things. Read over these things. Remind yourself. Reflect on. Recall what God has done for you before. Because there is an opponent. There is spiritual wickedness. There are supernatural forces unseen to the naked eye. And we just saw in the previous verse that his strategy, his schemes are, are schemes of deception and deceit. I mean, it's not going to look like that on the surface. Deception requ requires discernment. I've got to be able to see beneath what is on the surface level. Otherwise, the enemy manipulates me and lures me and tricks me into fighting a battle I have no business fighting. Wasting all my energy so I have no energy to resist him. Now, he lets us know we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're not contending only with physical opponents. Verse 13, therefore, put on God's complete armor. Here it is, that you may be able to resist. Everyone say resist and stand your ground. Everyone say stand. So we're gonna resist and we're gonna stand in these last days. We're gonna resist and we're gonna stand. There is an offensive approach. This is not defensive, like I'm trying to hold him off. I am taking territory for the kingdom of God and then I'm holding on to that territory. Jesus said it this way, occupy till I come. That means there's a holding on to. 
and the church is losing its grip on these last, in these last days on items that we are supposed to have a firm grip on, a firm position of resistance, a firm position of opposition against that which is trying to stand against us. We're going to have to stand firm. You, you, I don't even need to give you examples in 2023 in the United States of America where the church is losing ground, giving up ground. There are things we're going to have to take back for the kingdom of God, for morality's sake, come on, for this nation's sake. And can I just tell you this? This is what I believe. I believe the United States of America is in a position of great mercy. Because as it stands today, still as it stands today, the United States of America is responsible for probably at least 80, if not 90% of the gospel that goes out into this world. Financially supporting missionaries, literally sending missionaries, the printing of the gospel, the recording of the gospel, the filming of the gospel, come on, the publishing of the gospel, the United States, God is holding out as long as he can. But we're inviting the wrath of God on this nation by the things that we're entertaining, by the things that we're tolerating, by the thing. I mean, come on, Sodom and Gomorrah is no joke. Remember, this is a book of real historical accounts. <laughs> These are not stories. This stuff literally happened. An entire couple of cities were burned up, done away with, in a split second. Let's try that again. <laughs> you can't, can't do a weak snap. You're talking about burning up cities. Can't do it with my left hand. Broke my finger several years ago, and I've never been able to. Can't, can't do it. Got to go with the right one. Sodom and Gomorrah is a real deal. And we're opening our, ourselves up and inviting things. The church is here to push back darkness and it doesn't work if we're giving up ground in areas where our voice needs to be heard. The stores and their agendas, come on, you've all seen it this week or the last couple of weeks, the stuff that's being sold, pushed in, in, in these stores, whether you boycott it, whether, whether you shop there anymore, whatever. But we've got to start pushing righteousness. We've got to start pushing morality. We've got to start pushing kingdom standards once again. We've got to bring values back into the homes, into our families, into our personalities, into our identities. When our rates of divorce, fornication, adultery are matching and mirroring the world as the church in the world. That's a problem, guys. How are we upholding a standard? This isn't getting on anybody, but this is, a, this is an issue that we've got to start taking seriously or we end up here where we are losing ground. That's not occupying till I come. You know what occupied till I come means? It means you might be the left one, the last one standing. And I'll just say this and I'll get off this soapbox. It's time for the church to stop being intimidated. The weakness of the church has got to go. The spine's got to show up. You can have a soft heart with a stiff spine. It's possible. In truth and in love. Speak the truth in love with grace and with truth. We've got to bring this approach back to this country. Amen. 
Because we are getting the gospel out. We are getting the word out. We are sending missionaries out. But let's not, on the other side, start allowing and tolerating things that go directly against God's command and sit by silently. No, it's time to be the silent minority. I said it's time to be the silent minority. Don't be afraid to be the only one to speak up. If they can teach you how to use people's pronouns and, and teach you in the workplace how to be inclusive, and all, then you, if they can do that for five hours, for five minutes, you can speak up and say, I don't affirm that. I love you. In fact, I love you with the love of God that he loved you so much that he made a way out of that mess for you. And when you are done with the confusion and the dysphoria and wondering if you're this or that or trying to figure out what in the world you're doing, I've got an answer. I've got a solution because my God's not a God of confusion. Y'all doing all right? Okay. We're talking about standing against. We're talking about resisting. This is where the enemy wants to get you. He has no problem, guys, no problem if everything we stand for and believe stays in this room. He literally, he could care less. He'll drive right on by. It's the church that decides to take it out of the house. It's the church that decides to go beyond the four walls. It's the church that speaks up on the outside, not just screams it real loud on the inside that he's afraid of. You wanna be a church he's afraid of. You want to be a church that fear. And, and, and this is the thing. We know this, guys. If we remain silent, we probably become more a part of the problem than we do the solution. Let's be the solution. Be the answer. Push back on darkness. He says that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands, I like that, having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Nowhere in here, uh, uh, notice this, nowhere in here is he teaching us how to avoid crisis. He's teaching us how to resist it. The New King James uses the word withstand. It means to stand against. Withstand means to outlast, be the last one standing. And so we are going to have to have something within us that resists, opposes, and pushes back. But the enemy knows if I can wear you down, if I chip away little by little, then your ability to withstand and resist is compromised. He knows this. The enemy's attempt, see if I can find the way that I wrote it down. The enemy desires to keep you exposed to prolonged times of weariness and stress. The enemy's desire is to keep you exposed to prolonged times of weariness and stress. You know, I have found people, this might sound weird to say, but hear me out. I have found people that I'm starting to wonder if they enjoy the prolonged times of stress. I'm starting to see people that I think have made an identity out of being busy and stressed out. And you probably know some people like that too. It's all they talk about. It literally consumes them. Every time you see them, they are drained to empty. I mean, if they were a vehicle, that thing would have been burnt out on the side of the road 
long, long time ago. Running on empty. Nothing to give, nothing to contribute, nothing to be a solution or provide assistance. But they have lived this way and have harbored this for so long. It's literally become a part of their, they wouldn't know life outside of stress and busyness. They wouldn't know what to do with their time. Their mind would run wild. They, they wouldn't know what to do with their relationships. They wouldn't know how to give back if they had the capacity to. And this is where the enemy wants us to live. Live in these, and, 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 and almost guys in America, if I could just challenge this a little bit, it's almost like a, a, a notion of status in our country to be busy and to be stressed. It, it's almost like a gold star. Y'all notice this? And it's no, no uh, uh, surprise to me that we are dealing with the worry, anxiety, depression, come on, all the buzzwords that are out there. We are living in a state and in a society and in a culture, especially in America, where distractions are at an all-time high, and we wonder why worries at an all-time high, depressions at an all-time high, concern is at, confusion is at an all-time high. Maybe we ought to start putting the two and two together. Maybe we have too much access. Maybe we're consuming too much. Maybe we're uh, opened up to too much, tolerating too much, listening to too much. And so the enemy has us in this state of prolonged exhaustion, prolonged weariness. It just seems like it's one thing after another that just beats you down, that comes against you, that challenges you. It's like you, you, you wake up the next morning anticipating exhaustion. Come on. And the enemy is whipping saints in this arena. Again, as we said on Sunday, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's not because you can't. It's, just, it's either that we, have, we are ignorant or we choose not to use the resources that God has given us. It's either that we have not discovered how we resist and withstand and outlast, or we're choosing not to employ those resources that will allow us to be successful the way his word says that we can be successful. And notice that Paul likens this to a battle, a warfare. This is not going to be a life uh, that we're going to coast through. You've heard me say it before, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So he's promised, God has promised that we will be comforted, but he's never promised that we'll be comfortable. And those are two different postures. I can be comforted in the discomfort. I can be taken care of. I can be resolute. I can have a mind at peace. I can have a mind that's still. I can get sweet sleep. Come on, some believers don't even know what it's like to get a good night's rest anymore. It's showing up in the natural, but it's being planted in the spiritual. And we've got to address it on the right level. He says that uh, the, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, we looked at this last week. For though we walk in the flesh, he says, we do not war according to the flesh. So even though I'm living this life in the natural, everything I see in the natural is a result of something in the spiritual. And if I'm trying to address it in the natural, it's going to keep coming up. Right? I mean, you can pluck up the, 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 the weed or you can cut off the fruit that you see, but if it's still rooted somewhere, guess what you're going to see in a few days, weeks, months, years? You're going to see the same results because we haven't, take care, we haven't taken care of it at the root level where it's being planted. And the enemy will actually use your weed pulling as a way to wear you out and keep you exhausted. <laughs> well, I chopped that out last week. Why is it popping? Because you didn't take care of the root. You're just working on the surface level. And the enemy knows and he's like, here, show him a little more. All right, and then give, he'll give you the tools to cut off the fruit. He'll keep you in this vicious cycle. We call it the hamster wheel. You got to get off the hamster wheel. See a little hamster run on that little wheel? I mean, they'll just go, not going in, not gaining an inch of ground, not moving anywhere. No, we're supposed to be advancing a kingdom. But we find ourselves stuck in these cycles, getting exhausted, burnout. I remember that word burnout, man. I mean, when we first started, I mean, that was like the buzzword, burnout, burnout, burnout. And pastors thought that if they took a 90 or 120 day sabbatical, they would be able to get around burnout. And you know what I saw them all do in 2020? Close their doors because they didn't take care of the root. I'm not speaking against sabbaticals. They're good. It's good to step away. It's good to have those times. You're going to see us out quite a bit over the summer. And we're not playing hooky. We're having family times. Half of it's ministry anyway. It's youth camp and camp meeting and different things like that. And then the other half is family time. We're, we're going to do that. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to feel bad for not being here. I'm just letting you know right now. I love you, but I need a break too. Y'all let your pastor have a break? Will you let your pastors have a little bit of a break over the summer? Amen. But you know what? When we're here, we're here. And I hope that goes the same for you. I, I, I think it's so funny when people say I'm too tired to go to church. Or I need to, I, I, you know, we're just going to hang back at, at the house and have family time. There are seven days. In, there are, you know how many hours there are? We're here for an hour on a Wednesday night. One hour. It's all a state of, of mind. But all the while, their answer to burnout and their answer to crisis and their answer to weariness and their answer to exhaustions all surface. When he clearly told you we're not warring against flesh and blood, he clearly told you that even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war or battle in the flesh. Stop trying to address these things on mere natural resources alone. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to keep you strong. Because verse 4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strong. I love how he, he, look at how, he doesn't say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are spiritual. He says they are not carnal, but they are mighty. He compares carnal to might. The opposite of using a natural resource is using a strong 
resource, he says. Meaning in the natural, it's weak if it's not sponsored by or promoted by the Spirit of God. It's weak. It can't withstand. You, you can take, a, take the whole month off. Go ahead. It's not going to be able to withstand against the wiles and the schemes and the divisive, deceptive manner of attack that the enemy brings in your life. It's not going to work. You can go to the nicest beach. You can go to paradise. You can go to the highest mountain. You can get away from everybody, turn your cell phone off, whatever. Do it all. But if God's not a part of it, if his spirit's not a part, if you're not re-energizing, reinvigorating yourself from the inside out, guys, it's a failed attempt. It's a failed attempt is what he's saying. No, our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He says that when you use the right weapon, you'll actually attack, resist, and pull down strongholds. Verse 5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, everyone say thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish. This is work, guys. This is work, and he says, this is how you battle. He's telling us how we war. He's telling us how you fight. This is work. This is a warfare. This is a pulling down. I'm resisting that. I'm refusing that. I'm standing against that. I'm not allowing that to be planted in my mind. I'm not allowing that to be a, a, a thought that I take in and entertain and think on and, and invite in my life. I resist. There's work involved. This is not passive. This is not passive. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, do not worry. But do not worry is not a passive, I just won't think about it. Y'all ever try to do that? Yeah, I mean, I've done that. Do not worry. Do not worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. That's the, and have you ever tried telling somebody who's worrying, don't worry about it? And what's the first thing they want to do? Worry about it. No, don't worry about it. That's, like, that's the worst thing you could tell somebody. That's in an anxious state. Yet Jesus said, do not worry. Don't worry. But I want to show you tonight, in the next 10 minutes that we have left, I want to show you tonight that this battle, this warfare, this weariness, it's not on the natural, it's in the spiritual, and where the enemy attacks is in your mind. You guys know this. We talk about this all the time. We talk a lot about the mind at Anchor Faith Church. Some of you right now might be thinking, you go in there again? I'm going there again. I'm go uh, either I need to get it or you need to get it. One of us needs to get it. That the enemy attacks in the mind. The mind is the battlefield. Everything you want to see in your life, you first have to get it in your mind. And everything that the enemy wants to produce in your life, he first has to produce it in your mind. And if he can get you to think it, you'll eventually live it. So the Bible has much to say about the mind. The Bible tells us to what? Renew the mind. Be transformed in your life. How? By the renewing of your mind. Not addressing the life, addressing the thought pattern. Addressing what you invite in. Addressing what you entertain. Addressing what you think on. Okay? So let's go on a quick little journey. 
If you're taking notes, write these down, write these verses, because I'm going to try to go uh, diligently. That's just another word for quickly, but it sounded better than me just rushing through something. He says, casting down arguments, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, you're already there. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and here it is, bringing every thought. Guys, if we don't get good at that, then our resistance and our standing against, our outlasting, our withstanding is going to be greatly compromised. Anytime you meet someone that is weary, that is tired, they are typically uh, in a mental rat race. If you will check up, take inventory on the thought life, the thought pattern, meaning what they invite in and what they dwell on, what they think on, what they are constantly fixated by, you'll quickly find the root of the problem. But again, if you try to address somebody's weariness and exhaustion levels just on the natural level alone and never train your your mind, you'll be on vacation thinking. Guess what? Thoughts go on vacation with you. Huh? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, it goes on vacation with you. And the whole time you're driving to the beach, you're thinking on it. The whole time you're laying on the beach, you're thinking on it. The whole time you're sleeping in, in, the, in the hotel or the Airbnb, you're thinking on it. It doesn't matter. They go with you. They travel well. <laughs> so what? I've got to change it on the inside out. In the same motion, You can change your thoughts in your car, going to the same job, working for the same person, married to the same person, raising the same kids, with the same bank account, with the same income. If you change the thoughts, you can change your life. But what does the enemy do? He gets us exhausted, wearied, trying to correct things on the wrong level. And bring every thought into captivity. That means imprison it. Take it like a prisoner of war. Take that thought and say, come with me. You don't belong in here. You throw it in a jail cell. You lock it. You take the key. But most of us are taking thoughts, and rather than taking it captive, we're giving it room and board. You're entertaining it dwelling on it. You invite it in. Can I make you dinner? Huh? Can I give you a warm shower? Here's a nice towel. Come on, you, some of us are giving thoughts a spa day in our mind. A little mani-pedi, a facial, Massaging it, right? What the, it sounds funny, but the thought is, is that we're inviting it in rather than treating it as a resistance, as an opponent, as something that is trying to stop us. He says, imprison that thing. Take it captive like a prisoner of war and be ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. Let's look at this in the Passion Translation. 
For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign. We're talking about war, aren't we? A military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, here it is, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Philippians chapter four, verse six, staying with the military uh, mindset, the military imagery. Philippians four, verse six, you know this verse, be anxious for nothing, right? It's, that's what it says. That's what Paul's writing from a jail cell. He's writing, do not worry about anything. He's saying, if I don't have to worry, if I can refuse worry, you surely can refuse worry. Be anxious for nothing, he says. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's so much more we could unpack right there, but I don't have time tonight. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, here it is, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Everyone say, guard your heart and mind. That word guard is actually a military word. It means to literally set up a defense around your heart and around your mind that the enemy's thoughts, the enemy's temptations, the enemy's lures, the enemy's strategic schemes cannot penetrate. It can't get through. Guard your heart and your mind through Christ. That is a military word. That's not just guard like I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna think on the right things or I'm just not gonna listen to this. Those are great ways to do that. But he's saying I, we need to set up a military post outside the walls of your heart and outside the wall. See, if you have no defense, anything can get in. If you have nothing set up to stop and say, excuse me, I need to see some paperwork. I need to see an ID. Do we let you in to this? Do we let you into these confines? Do we let you into this area? Do we let you behind the wall? Right? That's what a good military guard will do. Don't just let anything through. I mean, even, try, even to get on our military base here at Moody, there's a gate with a guard. And they're going to look for some stuff. Do you have permission to access? Do you, what is standing at the guard of your heart and your mind? Standing out front before it ever even gets to your mind. Standing out front saying, excuse me, I need to see some ID. Well, what's the ID? He tells us. In verse 8. 
What's the ID? I need a CID that says you're true. You're noble. Whatever's just. This is the guard out front saying, is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Come on, they gotta have a guard. Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? If there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, and he says this, meditate on these things. Meditate means, all right, I've let you right in. I'll take you straight to it. You're allowed to come in here. Anything that doesn't fit the ID, come on. You got to have a guard out front that's testing these thoughts, testing these ideas, testing these imaginations. Uh, testing is one translation read that we just read, fantasies. Come on, we don't just dwell on anything. We don't just think on anything. Now, where's the gate? Your eyes, your ears, huh? Where it's, where's where the access points are? We gotta get better about these things. Otherwise, we get overcome with weariness and that leads to us in a compromised state where we cannot withstand and resist the schemes of the devil. And he's chipping away. Little by little. And you know what? If you turn away a thought I found out, they'll come right back. They don't just leave like, ah, oh, guess that's over. No, they'll come back. They'll come around the corner. And they're going to try to sneak up another gate. Huh? Like you, you, you were watching the news, and you're like, man, I'm not watching that trash. You get to work, and the guy at work's talking about it. Great. Oh. I just turned that thought away. Keep turning it away. Don't, the enemy will chip. Come on. He'll keep working. Don't let him in. Don't get worn down. But it's got to be carrying the right ID. In the Passion Translation, look what it says here in verse 6. Don't be pulled in different directions. Now, maybe some of you remember this. We've talked about this before. We talk about worry. The word worry literally means this. The word worry, the Greek word worry, maybe not in your uh, uh, Webster's Dictionary, but in the Greek, the word worry or the Greek word for worry that we have in our English translation, it means this, to be divided into two parts. That's what worry means. It means to be divided it means one day I believe he can heal me and one day this cancer is going to get my body. It means one day I'm standing on his word for my marriage and the next one, this is I can't do this. I got the D words going around. Come on. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's division. It's thinking this, thinking that, thinking this, thinking that. And so the Passion Translation uh, uh, translates it correctly. Don't be pulled in different directions. Sounds like distractions to me. Sounds like, you ever met a distracted person? They're there, but they're not there? You ever try to talk to a distracted person? Ever try to get something from a distracted person? Ever try to get them to do anything? They're distracted. Must be distracted. Distraction compromises things. It's the same word worry that we see for this word anxious. In Matthew chapter six, when Jesus says, do not 
worry. Same word, same Greek word. Same Greek word, divided into parts. So we don't have the guard out front or the guard isn't doing its job at the eye and the ear. It lets a thought in. We entertain it. We take care of it. We give it a bath and a shower and, and, and give it a, a, a room to sleep in and you know turn the lights out and take care of that thing. And then that thing starts ruling and reigning in our minds. And it causes us to be all over the place. A distracted church is a defeated church. Distraction always ultimately leads to defeat. What are we doing with these thoughts? He says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding, here it is, will guard your heart and mind. Verse eight says, keep your thoughts continually. This is war. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Notice not one time does he tell you, uh, does he instruct us to pray to God to do something with our thoughts? You can pray it all you want. God, take this thought. God, take this thought. God, take this thought. And he won't because he gave you the power to do something with the thought. Now, he will give you the strength to resist the thought, to resist the temptation. He'll give you the grace and the mercy. He'll empower you to do it, but he will not pluck the thought out of your brain. He's not in the bit. If he would have done that, if he could have done that, Jesus would have done that with every thought that the Pharisees and Sadducees thought about him. Of all the miracle signs and wonders that were demonstrated in Jesus' ministry, the one thing he could not do and would not do was force someone's thoughts or remove someone's thoughts. And he knew what they were thinking. I know what you're doing over inside, wondering if I even have the power to forgive sins and to show you that I have the power to forgive sins. Get up and walk, take up your mat. He knew on the inside. He knew they, they, they weren't saying it out loud. They, they didn't have a sign. They, 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 they just, in their thoughts, and Jesus knew it and still did nothing about it. No? You are responsible for your own thought life. We are responsible for our own thought life. Let's go over to Matthew chapter six. What's the answer? We got this guard out. We're standing guard. We, we're, we're not uh, uh, allowing these thoughts. We force them to show us ID. Is it admirable? Is it merciful? Is it good? Is it true? Is it noble? Right? All these, is it trustworthy? Is it praiseworthy? All this list of things that Paul gives us there in verse eight. So Jesus says this in verse 25, Matthew chapter six. I'm gonna read out of the Passion. This is why I tell you never to be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Verse 16, or verse 26, consider, everyone say consider, the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. 
yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? Verse 28, and why would you worry about your clothing? Look at, everyone say, look at. All the beautiful flowers of the field, they don't work or toil, yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. If God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, you of little faith? So then forsake, everyone say forsake, your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? Verse 33, so above all, constantly seek. Everyone say seek the kingdom of God, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Verse 34, refuse. Everyone say refuse to worry about tomorrow. Notice quickly that How do we cast down thoughts? How do we cast down imagination? How do we put aside? How do we stand guard? He says, consider in verse 26. He says, look at in verse 28. He says, forsake in verse 31. He says, constantly seek in verse 33. And he says, refuse in verse 34. Every single one of those are action items on you, on us. I refuse, and then I consider what God has done. I forsake worrying about this, and I seek after this. You see, you have to replace it with something. I imprison that thought, and then I choose to let in the thoughts of peace. Now, here's the thing. You can't have thoughts of peace if you're not entertaining thoughts of peace. These are the thoughts you want to welcome in and give room and board. These are the thoughts you want to invite. Hey, would you like to come over today? I've got a great meal for you. I want to take care of you. I want to to honor you. I want to watch over you. Hey, you can stay at my place tonight. These are the thoughts you want to bring in and entertain and welcome into your thought life. And so I imprison, I shackle up, I punish the thoughts that stand against the word of God. And then I invite over, I bring, and this is how I invite it, get in the word. Meditation. We looked at Joshua chapter one, verse six. I think we've got that in there too. Joshua chapter one, we looked at that last week. But what did he say Uh, there in um, verse six? Be strong and courageous. You are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them, be strong and very courageous. Here it is, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Here it is, do not deviate, turning either to the right or to the left. So distraction or worry is divided into two parts. And the answer is, don't look to the left or to the right. Stay straight. It's time to overcome this exhaustion. It's time to defeat weariness once and for all. It's time to position ourselves where we can resist. We can stand against. We can outlast the enemy. But guys, if we're not taking care of our thought life, in the New King James there, in in, in verse uh, seven or eight, one of the two verses, he says, meditate on these words day day and night. Observing to do. 
You know when meditation starts? When I'm done. I'll say that again. Meditation starts when I'm done. When I wrap up here, close my Bible, say amen, dismiss you out of here, that's when meditation begins. What are you mulling over, chewing on, thinking on, dwelling on, inviting in, entertaining in your home, in your thought life? Imprison the wrong thoughts that get you going this way and this way and welcome and invite the thoughts that say, I'm staying on this path right here. We're gonna have to get better at the refusing, the forsaking, and then get really good at the consider, look at, seek after, constantly seek God's kingdom. Amen? This thought life, if we challenge our thoughts and develop our ability to dwell on the right things, I promise you weariness can't stay in your life. I promise you, you won't give in. You won't give up. You won't lay down in these last days where we need the most resistant church this world has ever seen. And I remind you one more time, I'm your biggest cheerleader, I'm your biggest fan, I'm reminding you. He didn't send Paul today. He didn't send Peter today. He didn't send David today, the mighty warrior he was. He didn't send Noah today. He didn't send Moses or Abraham. He sent you. He put you on the front lines of the battlefield in the greatest time, the greatest test for such a time as this. I need my A++ members. I need my top of the line, my highest ranked, those who know their God, those who know who they are, those who know how to stand against the schemes of the devil. He picked you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.